Ever catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror and think, ugh, I used to look so much better? Or some other mean comment about yourself? Is it keeping you from getting spicy in the bedroom? Or have you lost your mojo and you're wondering why? Yeah, well, me too. Good thing I'm talking to a sex and relationship coach today, because y'all, we need some serious self-love help. So let's get into this episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I'm sitting down and talking to Suzanne Goodson. She's a sex and relationship coach, and she's got all the details on how to start loving your body, yourself, and your sex life again. She's helping us finally ask that question, what would feel pleasurable? What do I like? What are you doing for your own self-care? And she's sharing her prescription for how to get more in tune with your body, love yourself more, incorporate self-care, and have the sex life you truly want and that everyone is enjoying and not just enduring. So let's get into this interview. Hey y'all, welcome to the Awkward Mom Stage Podcast, a podcast where Lola, that's me, a millennial mom talks to friends about life, motherhood, and everything in between. Every Wednesday, I bring you topics that we all struggle with, whether we're a parent or not. Every stage of motherhood is awkward. Whether you have one kid or six, you're a dog mom, or you feel like your partner's mom, things can get messy. I'm for sure an awkward mom, navigating all the growing pains that come along with millennial mom life. Feel stuck in an identity crisis? Feel like your life lacks direction? Goals feel distant? Well, you're not alone. Tune in every Wednesday as I go through the crazy coaster called life with you. This podcast celebrates motherhood in all forms for exactly what it is, awkward. I'm your host, Lola Nicole. Grab yourself a glass of water or wine, whichever suits your day, and get ready because the Awkward Mom stage starts now. always introduce my guests at the beginning of the podcast but I always like for them to kind of tell everyone who they are and what they do and kind of how you got started well okay hi so I'm Suzanne and I'm sacred sexuality teacher and coach I work with a lot of moms actually and the reason I got into this field is because I needed what I now do for people so I found myself right in a place where I had no sex life. I was in a long-term marriage. I had been asking these questions for years, and it seemed like there was no way out. And so I started studying and learning everything I could about ancient practices, about modern practices, about what to do when we just don't feel like we have the aliveness we want. So I started studying it. I found out very quickly that I could bring back my own aliveness. In my case, I couldn't bring that back to the marriage I was in. My partner wasn't willing to go there with me. But a lot, a lot of people, the large percentage of women find that they can and do if they start with themselves first. Right. And that's what I found, that I could bring back that aliveness. So once once I discovered that for myself, and I was already working in a healing capacity with people before that, I felt like I wanted to shout it from the rooftops because we're suffering most of the time in silence. Yeah, I hear that a lot. A lot of my mom friends when we talk about relationships and sex especially after having kids it's a lot different so you're already feeling these changes your body changes mentally so you're just like okay well now I feel uncomfortable in my body so now I don't know how to be intimate with with my husband I can't be intimate with my husband with the lights on it's been all kinds of different things that I've heard especially after becoming a mother. Right. I mean, it's a whole new body for us. And how to communicate that to our partners when we don't know what that body is ourselves yet is so confusing. And if there were any underlying communication issues or insecurities on our part or traumas on our part beforehand, they're magnified by the stresses of being a mother, by this new body that maybe maybe sex hurts now where it didn't before. But conversely, maybe it's comfortable in ways that it wasn't before. Maybe different kinds of touch feel good to me now. But sometimes we don't even have the time to explore that. Right. And so, right, you've got kids with you, you've got a new baby, you're learning to be a mom, or you're on your second or third kid, and there's just no time. And so how do you find your way back, right? How did I find my way back to my own body and then teach my partner what that means? Asking for what I want, maybe for the first time, maybe in a way I've never done before. I mean, 
it's a whole new world. And oftentimes we find maybe there were things beforehand that we would have liked to have improved on, but you know, we had all the time in the world. And when you have the kids, you, that time is carved out. Maybe it's, maybe you have less, maybe it's really precious. Now we want to really optimize the intimacy we can have because let's face it, somebody could knock on the door or throw up or, you know, maybe that babysitter's what needs you back or whatever it is. Right. What's the biggest difference in a sex and relationship coach and a sex therapist? So I'm a sex and relationship coach and I'm trained in holding people through therapeutic processes. Okay. A sexologist may look at the medical or underlying psychological aspects. They may or may not give you practices to do at home, but if they do, they're not necessarily, sometimes they are based in the sort of the depth of the esoteric and spiritual traditions that Tantra and Taoism offer, but it's much more of a clinical approach. So early in my marriage, I went to sexologist, I went to sex therapist, we went to marriage counseling because I really wanted to know what could be helped. And I didn't get the information I needed there. And that's not faulting them. It's just, it's more of a Western medical model. So I didn't get, here's what to do. Here's a recorded practice. Start here. Try this. Here's what it sounds like you might need. Take a half an hour, take a bath, you know, take a few minutes to yourself and try this practice. So my clients get time with me where we talk about what's going on and then they have actually their own website of practices whether they're written out or recordings or videos and it's almost like homework here's how to reconnect with yourself and I have tons of practices to draw from and I prescribe well it sounds like for you you're having trouble with this let's try this practice sometimes it's just about really gentle ways to start feeling safe in your body again a lot of times birth is traumatic right or the stress of being a mother is just too much, especially right now. Yeah. So it's like, how, where do I even start? Because sometimes to start with our partner is just too much. So I'm trained in the spiritual aspect of it if people want to go there, or just even connecting to like feeling self love, feeling some sacredness inside our own selves, connecting to that outside of sometimes religious conditioning. So every sexologist and every sex and relationship coach will have a different approach, but that pretty much I want to go to not just the root of the matter, but the heart of the matter for each person. Okay. When does someone normally say, okay, I think I need a sex or in relationship coach, like whatever I'm doing isn't working or my therapy isn't working. I think I need a coach. Right. So oftentimes that's when we've done some therapy and nothing's shifted. Oftentimes it's when our partners just totally maybe wouldn't go for therapy, but, and we know we sort of need a more physical way in every woman and really every partner in the partnership sort of knows deep down, you know, there's something I'm not dealing with. This is things have maybe been stuck for a while. It can be that there's no sex in the marriage. It could be big mismatches of desire. One partner wants sex a lot more than the other. And there's conflict that we're not resolving. It could be that somebody is really unhappy with the sex life they do have and are afraid to tell their partner or have tried and it hasn't worked. The people's feelings have gotten hurt. Things are stuck. They're not going the way we want them to. And often with women, there's sort of this deep grief. I notice, I know it's what I had that I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Right. You know, I've sort of tried what I need to try. Maybe I bought new lingerie. Maybe I tried to talk to my partner. Maybe I even went to some workshops and I'm just sad. Like, am I ever going to get back what I had or, or get what I wish I could have? So there's sort of a deep knowing, like mm. most people who contact me say, oh, I heard your voice or I saw you. And I just like, I, I, I knew I had to reach out. I knew that finally somebody could talk to me about this. I could never find someone I could say like, this is what's going on. Am I broken? Right. So many of us walk around with a fear, especially when we have a mother's body, but often before that too, that we're not good enough or we're broken. So those deep longings or deep pains, that's usually what brings someone to me. Okay. I feel like my biggest thing, especially after having kids was like just feeling uncomfortable in my own body. So how do people that are already uncomfortable with the intimate partner that they already have come to you and not feel uncomfortable about like asking or like how would they approach? Right. So usually I get that email or that DM that says, Hey, 
can we talk, right? And most people I find, and that's how I should have known I was going down the path of this. Most people feel like, with especially with the kind of conversations I'm used to having, oh, Suzanne, I could tell you anything. I was the person that everybody told their sex secrets to before I was in this field. People would be like, <laughs> you know what, things with my husband, or like, you know, I had this affair, or whatever it was, that people's deepest secrets, often they felt like they could tell me. So we don't start out and go zero to 60. They might come in saying, maybe I just want to get closer to my husband. And then the deeper layers start to come off. Like, I really don't feel comfortable in my body. Most of us know now to be able to say to each other as women, you know what, it's hard. In the world I live in and being a mom, I don't really feel comfortable now that I'm a mom. And then all of us can go to those layers deeper, but we don't, nobody has to go fast. We come in slow and like see what layers are there at first and I usually work with people for about six months and people always tell me oh thank goodness I held on for six months because at four and a half months I had the big breakthrough I had the right. big shift right getting to know our own bodies again once we're mothers it takes some doing it'd be hard to it's like having a whole new body and a whole new relationship in a lot of ways so it takes some time to set aside even if it's five minutes to say Wait, what does it feel like to be in this body now? How do right. I explore even what affection feels good to me? Never mind what sexual touch feels good to me now. And then, you know, if people are breastfeeding, it's like, oh God, get off me, you know. Or even just in general, sometimes when you have kids climbing on you all day. My background before I, I came to this work when my kids got a little older was an infant feeding specialist. So I worked with breastfeeding moms. And already we were people were having conversations with me about well, you know, I have no sex drive or I feel really uncomfortable in my body and what about sex? Because we were in that intimate space of feeding the baby, women together, often breastfeeding, right? That closeness was like, oh, you know, what do I do now, right? right. All, and I think we need to recognize as mothers that now that we're mothers, we have to prioritize ourselves in ways that we never had to before because otherwise we will never have not only a minute to ourselves, but we won't be able to be the parents we want to be, the wives we want to be, the women we want to be, the partners we want to be, unless we really are ruthless about making some little space to prioritize ourselves and to recognize it's the biggest change we're ever going to go through in our lives, becoming mothers. There's really right. very little that compares to it. And then they expect... Is your sex life to go back to normal? Why would we? Nothing else is normal. Right. Nothing so it, at all. Not, at all. So it takes some doing and it takes some exploring. And I'm amazed at how much people's relationships turn around. Often they find sex is better than they ever it ever was because there's something about the openness that cracks you open sort of body and soul of being a mother that when you can bring that to sex, imagine that passion that you have when you first see your baby, the love you're capable of now, the that bringing that to our sexuality, incorporating those things, it can make our connection to our bodies and our sexuality and our partners deeper. But I, I think most of us need some help to get there. Right. Is it couples together or is it just one or the other that like kind of comes to you and does therapy with you and then incorporates their partner or how does that work? I mostly see women. I do see okay. some men and occasionally I will see people together, but usually that is to then set up sessions separately for the man, separately for the woman or for both partners if it's a same-sex partnership. But mostly I see women. That's just sort of more than half of my practice that I see. And so a lot of times if as if we think about the lead we take in our families as women, the truth is if we can take that lead with ourselves and our own sexuality, it doesn't necessarily mean I have to be even telling my partner what to do so much as bringing my own authenticity and my my realness to my partner. It can completely change the dynamic, which can get really stuck in one person wants sex, one person doesn't, one person doesn't know how they want to be touched now, or, you know, it just can, things can get so deadlocked. And often doing our own work, it naturally just changes things without, sometimes without even a conversation having to be had. Or a lot of times I give partners practices like scripts of how to start talking about things again that are set conversations that they can have that don't feel weird or pressury or somebody blaming the other or even pressuring the other. Just started to talk about what it is that I want. Right. 
And that really, once you take the pressure off and you can start, we often start with what, you know what, I really want a new pair of slippers. And I really want when you come home from work at the end of the day to like really take a minute to kiss me hello or whatever it is, we can start really small and, and then work our way back into some of the harder conversations, but just hearing each other and even those little things can make a big difference. Right. I feel like for me, I've heard a lot of, I'm just touched out. Cause that was me too. Yeah. Like I had a kid that was attached to me all day. And then after they were finally like asleep or whatever, I was just like, oh, please don't touch me. And then it just kind of carries on for a while. Cause my husband is way more touchy feely than I am, especially now three kids later, I'm just like, please everyone get off of me. Like even yeah. now my six year old is still attached to me during the day. So I'm usually touched out by the end of the day. Do you hear that a lot with a moms? lot? A lot of us get really touched out, especially with toddlers. I think even more than with infants that the toddlers and up into the elementary school years, kids need a lot of touch. And, a, and one of the things that sometimes it really helps partners to know is, you know what, get the, all the kids out of the house for three hours and you'll be amazed at the partner you will come back to. So sometimes it's really, really prioritizing what it is that we need, even if it's nobody to touch us for a little while, to be ready right. to come back to touch and to find a way to communicate that in a way that says, because that's what helps me come back to you, not like get the heck away from me. And finding a way to communicate that that's a win-win, right? That you won't believe how much more I can be present for you if I have what I need. And also then me being willing to say, here's what I really need. I really need everybody away from me. Right. And or I really need to not cook or whatever it is that sometimes it's really hard because we feel like we have to be everything to everybody. And even just to say to somebody, what I really need is this, as crazy as it sounds or as much as I don't think is I deserve it. Or a lot of times stay-at-home moms really need a sitter. Yeah. And sometimes that's financially a possibility. Sometimes it's not. But if it is, admitting that is so hard. Why? You're home doing just the kids all day, right? Right. So it can be really hard to say, like, you know, have, when was the last time you had three people in the bathroom with you while you were at work? Well, <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. So starting to really find ways to communicate what we need and then get get ways to replenish ourselves, finding out what they are. And every woman has a different way to recover from being touched out. But often it's just space, right? And right. knowing we can count on the space. Because sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's mental, too. Like, just don't say mom one more time. If I hear mom one more time, finding ways that we can prioritize and then ask for and then receive what we need to be able to come back. Sometimes it takes a little while, but often once our partner really hears what we need, we find a way to make something work to get a little bit relief. Right. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, for me, I like, I was a stay at home mom for like a little bit and going to work was like, the best even if I was tired I was just like whatever I just want to be at work with some adults but then you get into like the hustle and bustle of like at home and then at work and when you get off work now you're tired and I was just like oh okay you know whatever it's another night that we're skipping sex like we're not we're not doing that I'm too tired and then it just becomes a pattern is that something that you see often that it's just it's like very, very I wasn't trying to but it just happened that way Right. And then it's sort of like, well, how do we find our way back? And one of the ways to do that, it sounds really unsexy, but the sexiest, most connected couples I know schedule sex. Right. It's like, we're having sex tonight. So help me God, unless somebody is just absolutely, you know, got the stomach flu, we're going to do this and making that time. And what I love to recommend for people is to alternate planning the night. So one night, it's my, if it's this Friday or whatever it is, is my night to plan the night. Then next week, it's your week. I mean, you pick the music or you pick the mood or you pick, you set up and really letting our partners take the lead at least half the time in setting up a space or a mood or a date night for us so that we're not also then responsible for all of that too. And then having those other nights where it's like, well, what kind of experience do I want to create for us? Even if it's just, you know, turn off the TV put on the sound machine, make sure the kids are, the, are in bed that night. Even if it's not like rose petals all over the apartment, right? still 
somebody saying, tonight I'm going to take your hand and lead you into the bedroom, and next week you're going to take my hand. It's your, so that it doesn't become another thing that overwhelming our to-do lists. And it right. takes, but really prioritizing it. And, and then also having that after talk, really taking a few minutes to talk, even if it's the next morning, but sometime after to talk about, to start talking about our sex life again. Sometimes right. not even again. Sometimes it's the first time we're really talking about things because it was just sort of automatic before we had kids. Making that time to say, like, what did you love? What was the best part for you? So you get the good parts, you know, not just, oh, you know, when you do that, it's like nails on a chalkboard. There'll be time right. for that, you know, that conversation too. But just what did you love? What was the best part? You know, what did you think when I tried that? Right, opening ourselves up slowly to the conversation, the more, I would say the three, if I could write a prescription, it would be find a little time to touch yourself. Even if you take an extra five minutes at the end of your shower to really lovingly put your body cream on and really feel a little turn on when you do it, find some loving and sexy touch for yourself, schedule sex and start having that after talk with your partner. Those three things alone can be a game changer. And when they're not, and those kind of things aren't automatically bringing it, things back to a more flowing kind of dynamic, that's when you call Suzanne. That's when right. you say, mm, I can't even bring up the conversation. It's so tense. Or I tried to schedule date night and he blew me off or I blew him off three times in a row. I really can tell that something in me is really scared. Let's work through that together. I think I've changed a lot with how... I am sexually, especially after being a mom now, like before I was just, it was just like, whatever, like it's sex. I love my body. It's great. And then now it's like, oh, I don't like that angle. We got to get the lights off. It's too bright in here. Like, I don't want you, I don't want you to see me this way. So I think that plays a part in feeling comfortable and like getting in the mood because you're in your head so much. Yeah. And one of the things that I think we have to work at as women is getting back to that body confidence because for goodness sake, we brought life into the world. We are these magical, amazing creatures that bring life into the world. And that little extra bit of whatever that just doesn't look the same is not what our partners are looking at. It, and it can totally take over in our heads, right? And really ruin the experience for us. And so it can be, it's another thing that there are great tools for to really heal my body. You know, I, I just was never, it's just never the same after kids. It didn't right. look the same, you know, and to learn to really love it again. I feel honestly sexier now after two kids and in my early fifties than I did in my twenties because I never had to work at loving my body. And so taking the time to learn the messages to really love my body and really hear those negative voices and say, yeah, I hear it. I know they're always going to probably be there. I walk by the mirror when the light hits me that way. I'm never going to love that. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be the main voice I listen to. How do I learn to have other things I can really not just tell myself, but believe myself when I tell myself to really know and internalize that real goddess self, that real self-love. And it, it takes some doing because there's not a lot out in the world that supports it. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Me trying to figure out who I am again and like relearn what I like sexually and everything else has been, it's always that weird, uncomfortable, you kind of want to search about it, but then you're like, oh, I feel bad for searching about it. Like it's a whole mind trap that you have to like get through. To even be like, okay, well, I have this issue and I'd like to get help with it, but now I have to, now I have to get comfortable with the idea of asking someone for help with it if I can't even ask my partner for help with it. That's right. Yeah, it can be a minefield. And I think that one of the things we need to know is, boy, everybody's out there searching everything. Let's be real. We all know what's on the internet, right? Right. And so why, if there's all that sort of instant gratification out there, do I not deserve to have what I really want, right? right? A lot of it is I deserve to have a sex life I really love, not one that's just obligatory or 
you know, I can like only do it under certain conditions. So I don't bring up those bad feelings or not thinking about what I really want, but we get to really deserve a vibrant, happy, just crazy, great sex life. And claiming that is easier than we all think, but there are those internal barriers of, Oh God, you know, what about my search history and what's, <laughs> what's out there? It's hard to find. I went to, uh, sex therapist. I went to my minister. I went to, which was really, you know, a scary, scary thing to do. Yeah. I, I went to teachers. I traveled. We, my husband and I went on a vacation to travel to where there was a Tantra teacher. We met with her. I kept asking because I knew, for me, I knew the communication wasn't working pretty early on in the marriage. Now looking back, even before we had kids and I was trying to find somebody who could help. And finding somebody who can really just, you can just say like anything to or whatever you feel comfortable to. And I just wanted somebody to say, look, you're not doing anything wrong. Wanting it to be really great. Wanting to be able to say what you want. Wanting to feel great in your body and know that like I've got it going on were things I deserved, you know? Right. I was really, but I guess I was sort of stubborn about it because I kept going to people and I just couldn't find anybody who could give me any real answers. Right. Yeah, I think my family has like a Christian background. So I feel like especially having that conservative, you don't really need to talk about it. Sex was kind of more, okay, a man and a woman that are married. You want to have kids. That's how you do it kind of thing. So it took a long time for me to be like, you know, hey, I'm allowed to, you know, feel sexy in my body. And this isn't just about how I'm going to please my husband or making sure he's not going to leave me for the person that's going to have sex with him whenever he wants, or I'm too tired. So I said, no. So that's a strike against me in the marriage department. Like it's hard enough trying to figure out your sexual self, then also having that kind of religious rule hanging over you. I feel a lot of times and a lot of my Christian mom friends say the same thing. Like, it's it's weird. And, like, sometimes you don't even want to ask because you're like, I know I'm going to be scrutinized. Somebody's going to tell me that I just need to pray about it. And then it'll, you know, it'll happen. Or I'll feel happier about it because I know my husband's satisfied or something. Right. And that underlying fear, right, that we're not performing enough as wives, that underlying fear that we'll lose them they'll we'll get cheated on, that we're not perf- doing good enough, performing enough as wives, really when most all the men I've spoken to have said like, when my partner is really feeling sexy, that's when I desire her the most, right? That's when the sex is the best, is when she's really feeling that confidence, right? And rather than feeling like, and we do a lot of work. I do a lot of work with my clients un- unwinding that belief that, like, I just need to do this for them. I just need to do this for them. And that can kill a sex life because that obligatory sex is just, it's not fun for anybody. And when I had, I was on a uh, session one day and the husband popped in, he stuck his head, you know, in the Zoom screen. And he was like, thank you, <laughs> because she was happy now. And she finally had the t- talk with him where she said, I don't want to have sex with you just because we haven't and it's on your list. And he was like, oh, thank goodness. Right. I hate when you do that. So what a freeing conversation that was for everybody. It's hard though, right? It's hard to get that. And I have, amazingly, I just happens that I have Muslim clients. I have Hindu clients. I have Christian clients. I have Jewish clients. Guess what? There's hardly a religion that says, yeah, let's talk about this. Let's put it on the right. table. Let's, it's just that that conditioning is there for so many of us. And it's so hard to overcome. And especially, you know, we're told, like, just take care of the man's needs. Right. Right. And and the truth is, that doesn't lead to, to real deep connection. And that's what everybody wants. Right. I feel like in, well, at least in... 2020 and 2021 like there's been it's a lot more sexually liberated I feel or a lot more sexually liberated women are kind of coming to the front so it's making it's making it a little more easy to start talking about sex for like a long time especially for me I feel like for a long time I was like okay well 
nobody wants to hear about a woman's sexual needs like no one really cares about that it's usually like oh well how are you satisfying the man or all the quizzes in the female magazines or how to how to keep the man how to get the man how to please the man it's like okay well what about me though like I don't want to feel like I'm just there for them because then that also takes it out of it the only thing I'm there for is to get a baby and then have that and then it's like well great you did your job you're done Right, exactly. It's just that it becomes another pressure on us as moms. It's just the pressure can be so intense. And there are a lot of women out there talking more openly about this now, and there are great sex toy companies, sex education companies. There's a lot of women who are out there talking about it now. And we have to be careful, too, because then it becomes another thing, like, well, now I have to be high-achieving there, too. You know, I have to be out there, like, having all the pleasure and talking about it and the reality is everybody's different with what they want. And it can, ju- it's really in that sense, it is just first and foremost between me and the relationship with my own body. And then I bring that to my partnership and share that from an authentic place. But it's really is my relationship with myself first. And so the most often the most difficult situations where couples are so entrenched, just each partner finding their way home and taking responsibility for their own selves and what they want can really change the dynamic rather than piling pressure on top of each other and on top of ourselves. And so we have to be really careful with all the sexual liberation out there not to use that as another way to beat ourselves up because that too is like, but thank goodness we're talking about it now. It's out there now. And there's even the conversation that we just have a right to our own pleasure to be in it for ourselves, which is something that just was never heard of. I, I certainly never heard about it growing up. I don't know about you. Right. I I think for me, for a long time, I was just like, oh, okay, well, you're literally supposed to make sure that your man is satisfied. Like, this is mainly a man thing. This is for them kind of thing. And for years, it, it was like, oh, okay, you know, that's that's how it works. Like, even you get married and you want to make sure you don't say no to your husband because, you know, whatever. And it took me a long time to be like, okay, well, wait a minute, what about me? Like, and even with my husband, I asked him, okay, well, would you prefer, like, even if I don't feel like it and I just did it? And he was like, oh, God, no, like, that's worse. It's not fun. Yeah, I'm going to get where I need to go, but it's not going to be fun because, like, you didn't enjoy it. You just kind of laid there and you were just like, oh, okay, great. And just rolled over. And he was like, no, I would, I would not prefer that. I don't think a lot of men prefer that. I don't know, but I don't prefer that. Do you see that as like a, kind of a trend for men that do talk to you? Yeah, absolutely. We all as human beings want deep connection. And sometimes there's things standing in the way of that. Sometimes there's fear. Sometimes there's wounding. But yeah, amazingly enough, we think that that obligation is there. And that's right. That's all. And we should do that. But almost all the men I've talked to find exactly that. And oftentimes I have moms and women especially go have that conversation like you were brave enough to do, right? And ask, to go ask that question. And they're amazed by the answer. They're amazed. And I think not only is there that underlying, I won't be a good wife, but also that they're going to go somewhere else for it, the fear, you know? And I think creating the connection and bringing the authenticity and our own desire to it is the depth that I think creates the connection that is way more real, that there aren't then underlying problems. People are, not to say things don't happen and people don't do things and do what they're going to do and we can't control that, but being real with each other is the best medicine. Right. It's the best protection. It's the best insurance policy for a whole, safe, loving container of a marriage. And so having those conversations and really showing up as real as we can and often when women do this work with me and they end up opening these big awakenings, a lot of times women have big sexual awakenings, their husbands are, their minds are blown. You know, I have, I had women come back and say, my husband like wept with how open I could be with him when I really opened up to my own sexuality and then shared that with him. These men are blown away by the, the power of womanhood, right? They've seen right. create their children we forget how powerful we are and how amazing that can be for men to witness when we can really embody it and believe it and know it in ourselves. It's mind-blowing. And, and that's something that, boy, it's so easy to forget when you're you know, washing all the laundry and trying to keep the dishes from completely filling the sink and right. 
you know, to, to find the ways to really know that in our own selves and to know that the extra skin and the wrinkles and the places, uh, the stretch marks and the things I don't love are not what it's about. That when I show up fully present with my sexuality to my partner, not only does it get to be so much more pleasurable for me, but it can be mind blowing for them. Truly, I've had women come back and say, my husband cried. It's just amazing. Hey, y'all, it's Lola here, host and producer of the Awkward Mom Stays podcast. And let me tell you, hosting and producing this podcast is not easy. I had no idea what I was doing, and I still kind of don't. Don't tell anyone, but I don't. Buzzsprout has definitely been there to help me along the way. From hosting to helpful videos on what to do, how to edit, where to go, how to get music, you name it. They let me know how to do it. And their Facebook community is even more helpful. So let me tell you now, if you are a podcaster or you're trying to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for a host, definitely check out Buzzsprout. They've got everything you need to get started, even a domain name if you don't already have one. Trust me, I'm no tech genius and Buzzsprout has definitely been my saving grace. So if you're interested, you can definitely click the link in the show notes and it will take you to Buzzsprout and they will walk you through everything you need on getting your podcast up, running and ready to go. Now back to the show. What would be the first thing you would suggest for someone that is having issues in their relationship, whether it be with their, you know, how they're feeling in their body or with their sex life in general, what would be the first thing you would say for someone to work on or towards? Well, I would say usually the place to start again is to start with yourself. So start with finding turn on again in your own body. If you're a pretty new mom and you haven't found your way back to even what feels pleasurable in your body to make some time for self pleasure, whatever level, right? How do I find, and then begin to use that time We know, and I use a lot of science in my work as well, we know that when you're turned on and fully in sexual turn on and pleasure, your brain is lit up in ways that it's not at almost any other time. And so using that time to start to both notice, are there a lot of negative thoughts coming up about my body now? And not pushing them down, just noticing them, and then starting to really give ourselves messages of confidence, messages of self-love right then. I think that's a beautiful way to start bringing it back rather than being like, oh, this is just something I want to get over with or like, let me just sort of relieve some tension here, but start using our time with ourselves as an act of actual self-love. And so there are a lot of really beautiful specific practices I give people, but I would say like coming home to yourself, finding that 30 minutes to shut the door and have some time to yourself And I have, sometimes women tell their partners, like, look, I'm going to take some time for me now. They are really specific about what they're doing. And other times they just find some privacy. And then, especially if it's confidence, if it's an entrenched pattern with a partner, I still say start with yourself, but then start talking to them about it. Start saying as honestly as I can. And it's really, really great to always keep it about myself, right? Here's what I'm feeling, not here's what as much as we can be feeling so frustrated with what they're doing or not doing both in life or in the bedroom to start with just saying, you know what, after becoming a mom, I feel really insecure in ways I never did before. I feel tired in ways I never did before. I want us to have this great sex life. And I just need you to know, like things hurt that didn't used to hurt. Things turn me on that didn't used to turn me on. I feel nervous about my body now, especially those first few years after having kids, it's like, what is this body? Right. And and to share that because men don't know. They really don't know. It's like, you know how when you get pregnant and you know right away as soon as you get that positive test, you're going to be a mom and you change. And oftentimes it's not until they see that baby, the fathers, that they're like, right. oh, my whole life just changed. Right. We know so much sooner because it's happening in our bodies. And so it's, and as much as we can share with our partners about that in the same way, Hey, look, my body feels so different. Would you just, could we have a night where we don't even try to have the usual goals or have orgasm as a goal? And could we just try like different ways of touching each other and just talk about it and see what that feels like and start really asking for really gentle, different things together. 
So slowing it way down, finding what feels good to me, giving myself some positive messages, being honest with my partner. They sound really simple and they can be really scary though, but doing simple things like that. And I would say a hundred percent, at least half an hour a week, just spend with your own body, just exploring what feels good can change so much. And also give us that nourishment that we need. That's not somebody pulling on us either as a partner or a child for something, but give ourselves. We know that touch actually nourishes the nervous system when giving lovingly. I have one mom who sets her, she has the Apple watch and she sets it to go off during the day and she just goes and takes a few breaths to herself and says, what would feel good to me right now? We call it her pleasure microdosing. Her phone goes off and she says, what would be just a really, is it just to slow down and take a sip of my coffee really slow? Is it to, you know, go like sometimes a warm washcloth on your face or a few deep breaths outside, even a minute, what would feel pleasurable? We don't ever ask ourselves that. Right. I don't think I've ever asked myself that. So I am my watch dings all the time for the breathing and I just hit ignore all the time. So I'm going to have to start, I'm going to have to start doing that, trying that one out. Cause exactly. I, I don't think I've ever asked myself that question. It's amazing to ask ourselves that question. And a lot of times, you know, we almost all the religious traditions, we, they ask us like, can I be centered? Can I be connected to the Holy spirit right now? Can I be connected to God? What about being connected to ourselves and to our pleasure? It sounds so selfish, but really, truly, it's another way into these vessels that we were given, right? These God-given vessels. Most religions push us away from pleasure, but actually embracing it is this uniquely feminine path of the sacred, of kind of coming home to these God-given bodies and all the pleasure they're capable of. We know, right, their women's bodies are capable of pleasure in ways that men's bodies just aren't because of the way our nervous systems are. These are natural ways to feel less touched out, more loving, more present, more connected. They're right there. But often it's like, wait, pleasure? That almost feels a little scary or bad. Would I really be okay to do that? You'd be amazed at the end of the day how much more we have to give for giving ourselves that. I think it's hard for me to try and carve out self-care time for me so I I never like think about myself until like the end of the day when I'm like laying down I'm like I'm exhausted I haven't done anything for myself all day I think that's like the only time that me and my friends are really thinking about ourselves is when we everyone's asleep everyone's gotten everything they needed for the day and we're just sitting there like I am exhausted and I didn't do anything for me and now it's time for bed and I have to do it all over again the next morning Exactly. I remember my sister whose kids were a little older than mine. She lives in Europe and she said, can you get on Skype with me and just have a cup of coffee? And I was like, you sit still and have a cup of coffee? (laughs) I couldn't even imagine that. You know, I had younger kids at the time. And I remember training myself to just slow down, even though getting on the phone was way too big of a commitment when my kids were really little, but just sitting down and taking a sip of that coffee really slow and just tasting it rather than like, rushing through it to get caffeine, to get to the next thing. You know, what little tiny things can I put my hand cream on really slowly? Just little tiny things and just noticing my senses in that moment. And it's amazing how nourishing it can be. And then they studied it and it turns out it actually nourishes our nervous systems. That's good to know. I didn't know that. You don't really think about touching yourself, but skin is the largest organ of the body. So it would make sense that it would connect to everything else exactly. in your brain. And finding all of the senses too. The more senses you can turn on, the more nourishing it is. So smelling the coffee, right? Tasting the coffee. How does that foam from the latte feel on my lips? Going to all of my senses. It doesn't take a long time to say, how many of my five senses can I tune into and then notice what's pleasurable right now? I noticed this morning, like just the feeling of the sheets, like I have really fuzzy sheets and I was just feeling them with my toes. And I thought, I'm going to take this as my pleasure for the day. Before I even got out of bed, I was like the soft sheets against my toes. Yeah. And I thought, this Uh is it. These are those little things I would have never noticed before. And I was just like, oh, that's my pleasure for the day. Before, when I've heard the pleasure and everything else, you think it's got to be like this big, grand gesture. And it's usually 
geared towards like sexual you don't think of small pleasures like smelling coffee or feeling your bed sheets or just taking a breath of fresh air you don't think about that as pleasure because people kind of throw it off as just a regular everyday thing yeah and it really helps that kind of tiny little bits of pleasure really helps with things like feeling so touched out and so stressed out at the end of the day it's amazing how much of a difference those little tiny things make those are some good tips. I have to write all these down and use them every morning. I'm working on my morning routine, so I'm going to have to incorporate some quiet pleasure to myself. Yeah, I found for me, once I realized how much I love the warm washcloth on my face, that instead of just getting over with washing my face, that I just take that extra moment and feel the hot washcloth. Oh, you know, like those little things. Start looking for what are they. And then you get more and more of them in your day all the time once you're looking for it. Awesome. So I always ask a Poddex question to learn something about my guest. So what's a famous person's memoir you'd love to read? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I would probably say for me, I would go towards one of the great there was a spiritual grades. That's really always been my area of study. So I'd love to read like the Dalai Lama's memoir or even Gandhi. I've never read any cool. of those. Yeah. And I'm good. Yeah. I always feel like I want to go towards people who had great spiritual depth because I, yeah. for me, that's always a goal to bring more of that into my life as, as it goes on. Yeah, I can definitely tell that you actually enjoy and love what you do. So I feel like it makes it makes me comfortable and I'm not even in a session. So like, I can't imagine like how people that work with you must feel very comfortable because you it, it always works better when the person loves what they do. So you can really tell that you actually enjoy it and understand it and want to learn more about it. So that's like really refreshing when it comes to such a sensitive subject, I feel. Thank you. I love it. And I, I will say, you know, I've got my children are 10 and 15. And even they say, like, no one really wants to talk to their mom about this mom. But As moms go, you're pretty easy to talk to. So if my 15-year-old boy (laughs) can talk to me. And and we do a lot of that too is like, how do I then raise my kids in a way that makes them feel good about themselves growing up, right? That's another really great offshoot of this work too. Okay. You also work with parents for children. Yeah. How do I talk to my kids? How do I, if I feel good about myself and really grounded in my sexuality, those awkward conversations are going to be so much less awkward. How do I give great instructions to my kids where I convey my values, but also convey that sexuality is a good thing that we can enjoy? That's actually a really good thing to help with because there's a lot of kids, including me, that sex and sexuality and all that, it was basically like mom, dads, they get together, they have a baby and that's it. Like there was no, what's going to happen with your body? Like things are going to like, none of that. You're going to hit puberty. You're able to get pregnant. Don't do it till you get married. That's how you have a baby. Right. Exactly. And we need to know a lot more than that, especially in today's world. We do not want the internet teaching our kids about sex. Right. At all. At all. It's too much on the internet now. And I learned more than I should have outside growing up. So like, I can only imagine what's available now. Yeah. It's scary and it can leave a lasting impression on our kids. And so we want to be able to have those conversations. And so I do, I do a lot of work folding in. How do I feel comfortable with myself? And then how do I raise my kids in this world? Yeah. I feel, especially with porn and OnlyFans and all, all that, you don't want that to be your teacher. Women are like, please, please stop please. following porn. It is not what we want. Like that is not it. It's not the way to learn. And it can create really deep impressions in our nervous systems and in our minds, right? Those images. So we do want to be able to have those conversations. And they're hard conversations to have. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure there's plenty. But for anyone that would like to find you or know how to contact you, do you have Instagram? I do. I'm on Instagram. The easiest way to find me is my website, which is SuzanneGoodson.com. And if you go to SuzanneGoodson.com, it'll offer you a free download too. I want everyone to know that you can actually try one of the, it's a breathing exercise to connect you to your senses and your body. And so anyone who goes there can download that and just see what this is like. And it's 10 minutes long. It's great for that end of the day 
feeling totally fried or in the morning. And I do have an Instagram. It's all three of my names. So you'll have the link, but it's Suzanne Najari Goodson. And so it's my full name and same with my Facebook. So I'm on Insta, Facebook. And the best way really to find me is the website because it's the least spelling, just Suzanne Goodson. Okay. And if someone wants to work with you, is Instagram the best place? Do they usually like DM you? And Yep. You can message me through my webpage or just DM me through Insta. And I'm always answering questions on there. And sort of that's where usually I get the, hey, you know, I'm having some stuff with my husband. Could you help me? And I just jump on. Anyone who does that, I'm happy to jump on a 30-minute call and really explain exactly how my work looks talk to you about what's going on and see if we're a fit. I always will do a 30 minute call with people who approach me just to see. So it's like, do I feel comfortable talking to you? Can you help me? Can we sort of get a sense of what this work is? I'm always, as you can tell, I love to talk about this. I'm passionate about it. Anyone who wants to know a little bit more is happy to jump on a call. Just DM me and I'd be happy to just see what's going on and see what, if I can help. Well, this has been a delight. I'm so glad that I got to talk to someone who was way more versed than I am. There's still so much for me to learn. So I think everyone can really learn from this and learn from your expertise. So thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It was an honor to be here. Really lovely to meet you. Awesome. So I will leave all of Suzanne's information in the show notes so you guys can get in there, slide in. No question is too embarrassing for her. I'm sure she has some great information for you guys. So thank you again, Suzanne. And I will talk to you guys later on another episode. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the Awkward Mom Stage podcast. Make sure to visit our Instagram page where you can follow and find information on next week's show and any updates for the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast shows. While you're at it, if you're enjoying the show, I'd appreciate it so much if you rate the show on iTunes or share this podcast with a friend. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for an all-new episode. I hope you're having an awesome week. Happy Hump Day. And always remember you're beautiful. Lola. Lola.